Can we just revel in it for a moment? The really good door slam? The, the quality door slam which I've provided for this amazing episode. I'm so excited. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're here. We are. We are here in the closet. And it's a... Uh, it cooled off a little bit. It has cooled off a little bit. Which is so much nicer than the last one where we were a bucket of sweat. I think today we're going to just be like a moist towelette. Of, yes. Of yeah, charm and charisma. Charm and charisma. I feel like we need to write that down. A moist toilet. To- <laughs> a moist toilet. That's what you just <laughs> said. You want to take another run at that, kid? A moist towelette of charm and charisma. Oh, it's, it's in the show notes now, for sure. Yeah, that's happened. We're here now. That's where we live. We live in a place where we say something like that, and we are stuck with it for a bit. Yes. Much as you have chosen to be stuck here with us, which is delightful. Thank you. Yeah. This is, uh, for those keeping score, this is episode 17. Total. Season 2, episode 9. Yes. Of that thing that happens when we go up the stairs, across the landing which has the hat rack, into my room where all the circus books are, past the little oubliette storage area full of masks and theater lights, have never mentioned that before, and into this tiny little room where we close the door and record another exciting episode of... Two Clowns in a Closet. Oh, up top. You did nice. We're here, um... I guess the the big news is this is it. This is. This is it. This is season two. Final episode. Final episode. We are we, we still need more questions for a season three, but we have some that we've chosen because we thought they were really good to uh to keep us started. And I figure we, we give you this fair warning. That way you don't you don't go, oh, where'd we go? Don't worry. We're we about are to, coming back. We are coming back. We have already both by your request and by our own want, we've already agreed that there's going to be another season. So that'll be coming. And in the meantime, you get to enjoy this time with us and we get to get into it because we have some terrific questions. We do. We do. You're diving really fast, though. I'm, I'm, I'm barreling. Yeah, the clock's going and the, the banter level. I looked at it and I said quarter tank and I thought it was enough. But no, no, we, we need no, like at no, least a half no. tank for a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, yeah. we can't leave people on an episode with no preliminary banter. Wouldn't it be terrible if somebody said to us, hey, that last episode left me with a lack of banter? That would be the worst. We did, however, finally have a friend show up in our gym. Oh, yes. Circus in place. And tell us, get on with it. And so we did. We did, in fact. We, well, we happened to be at the end of our um, our break, and we our went, break. We went back to work. So yeah. So technically, that one's accomplished, but the opportunity is still open to tell us to get on with it here. But of course, by the time you hear this, we'll have been done with it, and we have cleverly avoided being told to stop bantering. True. You and I are geniuses in that respect. It it does work out quite well. It does. To to be doing this in advance of when things will be released. That's true. Okay, so because the banter level's low, I have a suggestion. We're yes. obviously feeling the anxiety of the big finish and having to get it right. Yes. So what we should do is we should take a deep breath and exhale and do a little tiny bit of clown yoga. And you can do this with us if you like. I find it to be a great way to relax. 
Yes, this yeah. is a great idea. This is so great. So, so what okay. you do is you find yourself sitting comfortably. Let me shift a bit so I'm sitting. Ah, ah sorry. Yeah. Sitting comfortably. Yes. And now you take a deep breath in. You take another deep breath in. And then one more deep breath in. And then you let it out. And after that, it's very hard to take anything too seriously, I find. I agree. Yeah. You can feel the, the little bit of mist. We both looked away very kindly. Yes, we did. We did. But then there's the, there's the feeling of a little bit of rain that comes down. Be careful where you do clown yoga. Um, because it can, it can come and it can come back at you. Yes. Never, never do clown yoga into the wind, as they say. Yes. That's been said. Just now. Before I was about to say before now. Oh heavens, now? no! But it's, it's on <laughs> the permanent record. It's now been approved and on the permanent record. We do have to credit the lovely Foley the clown for introducing us to clown yoga. Yes. It is. It is Foley's wonderful invention, and truthfully, I have never not been completely relaxed by that idiocy. Or that idiot, come to think yeah, of it. That's the yeah, best. B- both. Oh, it's a comfort. It's comfortable now. I- yeah, everything feels so much better. See, no bad banter didn't go up, but uh, the 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 feeling. The feeling's good. so good. The feeling is very good. It's been it's been a good it's been a good moment. I'm ready to. I, I'm I'm feeling close. What do you need? What do you need? That's what, what I always do say. I need? What do I need? Yeah. I always say when you don't know how to move forward, figure out what you need and then give it to yourself. This is an excellent opportunity to do just that. I feel like I, I feel good. I feel ready. I feel like ready to get into it. Do you? Yeah. We, I, we filled uh, some banter time. We do. I think a little bit. Yeah. Maybe a little. We did clown yoga in the closet. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about this episode. Yeah. I'm feeling everything is... I mean, I'm, I'm a little sad that we're running to the, towards the end. Oh, you see, it's, you're still there with it. But I'm feeling good about it. Yeah. Well, take a moment. Here's, here's an idea. You take a moment, dear listener. And if you, if you need to pause this and give yourself something you need to be ready, we'll wait. I don't know how long we should wait, though. But we did tell them to pause it. So, so when they unpause... They should unpause yeah, and yeah. We'll, be, we'll be good to go. I didn't think it through. It's okay. I thought I was being really magnanimous, and then I realized we, we would have to sit here and wait, but not actually wait. I thought it was going to be a night... And now it's a, it's a whole thing now. Is it? Isn't it? Oh, you're back! <laughs> Wonderful. I'm so glad you got that thing you needed, and I guess like us, you're you're probably feeling pretty hyped up. Maybe your banter meter is at a level where you could begin. I think that we are. I think we might be there. As you know, the format of the show, pretty simple. I looked it up. We have cards, which you, dear listeners, have uh, sent us sent us some uh, some questions. You've copied them down, Liam. I have. In your beautiful handwriting, and uh, we do our best to answer them. That's... I appreciate the compliment on the handwriting, because the handwriting, in my personal opinion, is not so beautiful. But we, I think it's mostly legible, so I believe we'll be able to do this. We dedicated a not insignificant amount of time to talk about your penmanship. I feel like whether I even read these cards ever again, I need to die on the hill of believing that it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful workmanship. Because otherwise, why did we faff about that long? Because somebody wanted to know the tools that I use. The tools of the trade, as it were. Yes. Except that not the trade, just the tools of the... 
The scribe. Writing, yes. The scribe. Yes. Ooh. You can... This is a work-related thing. You can technically add clown scribe... Clown scribe? To your, uh, to your professional... You're not wrong. ...titles list. I collect titles, by the way. I love a good title. If you have any spares and you want to send them to me, send them to me. I like, I like being declared things because I think it's ridiculous to declare me anything. I don't want to be voted into anything. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, knighted or anything like that. But I, I wouldn't mind if somebody goes, you know what? Yeah, that's your title now. I go, yeah, sure, I'll take that. I, and I throw them in the pile with the rest of them. Yeah. For anybody who did not see that, which would be everybody except for me, there was a pointing gesture. Oh yeah, the throw them and then I, I went along with that. Gesture yeah. towards the pile. You can pretty much assume that if there was an uh, a hand gesture to be made, that it would was be, made. That was ma- whenever I speak. Yes. I have a. I have the. Dare I say the pause for radio. And the face to match. How long of a pause? About that long. Okay. See, dramatic pause for radio. That's good. Perfect. Nicely done. So, now that we've gotten those out of the way. My paws, they're right here in my lap. You're pausing again. Yes. Okay. The first I question. I have the questions. You have the first question. I have the first question. You also have all of them currently. Yes. That's how we, this... we tend to hand them back and forth as a pile. It's a small closet. There's not a lot of room to spread out. No. All right. So, are you prepared to answer the first question? Am I? Yes. Yeah, I think... I think what a good feeling. Can I sidebar with a, a brief story? Sure. Oh, okay, so a brief story. The very last night of a variety show I hosted for about five years... The last night of the show, we were shutting it down at the end of it. I was I was very emotionally unprepared. And I worked up a monologue which would allow me in the show to take that kind of moment that we just took, where you check in with yourself and figure out what you need to say before we went on. And, I, and honestly, I took my hat and I put it over the microphone stand and I talked to the hat. I wouldn't even look at the audience for a moment because they knew the minute they started talking to me, it was already happening. So I had this like vignette moment and then I turned and I opened the show and in that moment I got to say thank you and then it was such a I, I choked up I mean you can hear it when you listen to it and I always think about that when you have that the bittersweet beginning and the exciting the exciting middle that's what I think of so I'm thinking about that the bittersweet beginning yeah because there's that beginning that it's that moment it's it's a weird little bummer and it's that you know it's going to be good but at the end of the day, you also know when you're done, it's going to be over. And anytime I'm backstage, I'm usually so hyped up about doing it that I don't think about that till it's over. But this is the first time in a long time, like that show, where I came in knowing I am sitting down to do the last one and I want to do a good job. And I've got a lot of pressure on me, so I let that go. And then what remains is this, it's this feeling and it's, mm, it's a little yeah. tiny... It's a little soft, bittersweet thing. It's not bad. It's not problematic. But then you have that, and then you move on, and you get into it. But you take a moment for that, and you say, oh, thanks. Then you put the hat on, and you go to work. And that's what I did. And it worked that night, and I think it just worked here. First question, please. All right. First question is, if you were to choose one performance skill to suddenly gain expertise in overnight, what would it be, and why? Wow. 
So this is the magical superpower question. Yeah, this is the the instant skill. Instant skill. Oh, because it, it would be so easy to pick up because then you'd have it. Yeah. Okay. This is where I can either be clever or honest, and I'm going to go with honest. Okay, honest. No thanks. And here's why, because that's not a blow-off at all. Thinking about this, I'm like the result of a lot of silly mistakes and actions. And one of the things I have found about myself is that I really like steep learning curves. If something's too easy, I get bored. Mm-hmm. If I had something that came to me, it just landed in my hand, I'd play with it for a while and I'd put it down and walk away. And conversely, there are things that I have worked on for literal years and years like a life practice. And those things have become integrated into who I am. And because of that, they always become, even if they're silly things like how to spin your hat, mm-hmm. they become philosophical. They become deeper than just the little thing. And I make discoveries along the way. Even when you're bad at something, if you're paying attention, you're going to make a discovery, which means once you're good at it, you can use that discovery to create comedy or create storytelling. Um, and I feel like that's so important. I did a, a juggling act where it was one of the last juggling acts I worked on with my original juggling partner. And we did it in a, in a big variety show, but it was a piece of storytelling. It was narrative. And I walked in and in the course of the act, he taught me how to juggle. And it happened very quickly to music. But the idea was that journey of practice and it became such an anthem to it that idea and we talked when we sat down to write that thing mm-hmm. we talked about oh yeah i uh i want to bring this mistake because it's a mistake we always make and i want to do this and i want to have this win because it was so important i mean we put all those things in the act mm-hmm. if we had just woken up as jugglers one day we never would have had those things to bring to that story there's a, there's a great quote that is, you're, the more personal you become with your mistakes, the more universal you become. And it's sort of counter to common sense. But if I just am there present and trying to be the everyman but not really being myself, I become inauthentic. I become plastic. And it's really hard to relate to me. But if I really honestly hear, and you know, dare I say it, warts and all, mm-hmm. well, then you get me. You don't have to like me, but you, you understand me. You connect to that. Okay, yeah. And yeah. therefore, you can have that connection. And I fear, I genuinely fear, that if something is a little too easy, I don't think I've ever put this exactly in this way, but if it's a little too easy, it's going to take the humanity off it for me. And because of that, I had a, just now a very, and I'm glad I paused because I would have gone for clever. I'm glad I paused at the beginning. But I, I would... I had a really visceral reaction to the idea of it being too easy. I'm like, no, I don't want that. I want it, I want it to be hard. I want, to, I want to really work for it. I want to earn it, and then I want to share it with an audience. And whatever I learned along the way, the little nuances that made me, me, I want to be able to give that. Okay. So that, I, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Nice. Nice. I hope you don't have a big philosophic round. I hope you got something. Because that was, I feel like, I feel like a maybe I seem like I was faking that, but that was genuine. If you were to choose one performance skill to suddenly gain expertise in overnight, what would it be and why? And I say this as a person who knows how quickly you pick up skills. Oh, you are you I'm, are a fast learner of physical things. 
you have by a comparison gift. to a lot of people, you yes. have a gift. Uh, I, I'm lucky, lucky enough to be fairly in tune with my body and have a body that's responsive to to training it. Um, let me think. Dramatic pause. Because the what you've just said really resonates with me quite a bit. Because I think I think you're right in that the the challenges that you have really end up informing who you are, how you do things. And I mean, just, just yesterday in the gym, we tried something new, um, to actually integrate a, a intentional fall into a trick. And, um, it was hard. It was difficult. And, these things become easier if you were present and aware when you were making mistakes at the beginning. And I think additionally, as somebody who wants to start teaching more of these physical skills, remembering what it's like at the very beginning and remembering what mistakes you make at the beginning and remembering what mistakes you make halfway through and which challenges show up is very, very important because sometimes it's very easy to lose sight of it. You're so, you're so right on that one. Um, and when you lose sight of it and you try to teach someone and you don't remember where the beginning was at, it's very difficult to connect with them in a way that they can actually understand and process well. Um, so from that point of view, I think you're really spot on. However... I was hoping you'd have something. However... Because we're not just philosophers in here. I do have a performance skill that I would gladly accept. An overnight, instant, I know how to do it. Oh, do share. And I'm capable of doing it. Do share. Backflips. Ooh. Why backflips? Because... There are many, many places where you can get things wrong to minimal uh, consequence in many, many physical skills. I have zero interest in falling on my head, neck, shoulders, or upper back over the duration of trying to learn how to do a backflip. There are ways to mitigate that. Sure. Those tend to involve having very specific um, gear. That's using uh, foam pits. That's using um, trampolines in many cases. That's using springboards, which I at present don't have access to. Um, I don't know whether or not I'll ever learn how to do a backflip. It's kind of fun that any time a kid asks me to do one, I end up doing something else. I was wondering why you wanted to know, wanted the backflip. But backflips are very, very cool, and I would love to be able to do them. Do, I'd l- do kids ask you for them? All the time. They just walk up and say, do a backflip? Yes. Are you doing something athletic at the time? Typically, it is part of an escalation. Okay. Um, Jane has historically found herself in competitions of physical skill against children aged between 5 
at about eight or nine. And they tell you to do a backflip? And they, it starts with somebody who's capable of doing a backbend or capable of doing a cartwheel. And then Jane does a cartwheel. And then it's immediately, do a backflip. Nobody involved can do a backflip. The kids can't do a backflip. I can't do a backflip. But the kids demand a backflip. I do not know why. I have no idea why they think that's a thing that I can do. But they consistently ask me to. You just have one of those faces that looks like you can do backflips. Apparently, yes. Wow. Um, Apparently, striped overalls are code for can do a backflip. Let this be a note if you have a a bad back or a a weak arm or something. Uh, Possibly striped overalls might be a thing to skip. I'm not sure. Uh, I have not done the follow-up of why did you think I could do one? Um... But historically, that's actually led to an intentional fall out of a cartwheel um, done as uh, the attempt to do the closest thing to a backflip that that clown is capable of doing, which is its own good fun. But I do really love the idea of appearing to fall over backward and then doing a backflip as part of that. And coming out being very disoriented, but having actually done that very impressive piece of skill. Um, I don't know whether or not it's something I will ever actually put the time and energy into because it is so dangerous. It's interesting that the thing you want, and I think this speaks to the whole discussion, Mm -hmm. the thing you want is not a thing that you're likely to go chasing. That's interesting to me. Yeah, the thing that I would be happy to say, yeah, sure, I'll pick that up if I, if it doesn't cost me anything. Yeah, just, yeah, but it's not something you're on the journey towards specifically. No, because there are many more skills that I'm focused on that have less of a high risk of injury during the learning of it. Well, okay. Well, in, in, in closing, I, I suppose if at first you don't succeed, backflips are probably not for you. Yep. Good, good to know and good safety tips. Actually, that's not true. If at first you don't succeed, do not try backflips without oversight and appropriate landing locations. You're probably right. Truthfully, if at first you don't succeed, then probably skydiving's not for you. That seems pretty much yeah, spot on. That yeah. seems that seems good. Well, okay, I think we I think we've put the put the question in the bucket successfully, as they yeah, say. Yeah, I think so. I don't think anybody actually says that. Put the question in the bucket? Well, maybe they should. Maybe they should. Okay. Here's, here's another one for you, since you're on a roll. All right. Who are your most favorite and least favorite fictional clowns, and why? Most favorite. And least favorite. And least favorite fictional clowns. Yeah. You look perplexed. I am having a struggle. Why are you having a struggle? Because I'm not sure what a fiction what defines a fictional clown. Oh. Oh. Because what media does a clown have to come over for them to now be fiction? Quick question. Do you think they can see the light bulb that just went over my head? I and think would, it was in the, the Oh, you just said yes. That's a I didn't even think about that. Because I never would have thought of that. Because, I mean, I very quickly want to respond with, you know, my favorite clown being 
probably probably the the grandmother clown from the big comfy couch um not actually lunette fictional clown oh okay i got worried about my self-esteem for a minute continue <laughs> he made such a sad tragic face i thought I, it was going to be then i realized no, fictional oh, fictional of course of course go on please go on so in fictional clowns uh, my my initial response is is to name off one of the clowns from from the big comfy couch but those were played by performers, weren't but they? But those were played <laughs> by performers to television audiences. They were clowns. That's a clown. <laughs> so well, that's not a fictional clown. That's a clown. So is this books? Is this... So does that have to be in books? Does it have to be... Animated? Anim- I don't know. Well, I don't either. I don't You're know where that... to make a call. I don't know where that line... Where the line between a clown is and where it, where it stops. I... I suppose it may be that if it's animated or it's written, um, that's arguably now fiction. Um, in which case, I have a really hard time coming up with any ones that I like. Just I haven't, yeah. I, I haven't to... experienced that. I think nothing. It's almost impossible. I think it's probably almost impossible to do clown. And to describe clown in a book, in a way that's compelling, and in a way that's um, remotely real, because if it could be said in words, clowns wouldn't have to say it in body and movement and action. They'd just be novelists. Yes. Um, so, personally, I've never seen that. I've never seen it done. Now, maybe someone has done it. If someone's done this and people know about it, please tell me. I would love to read that. I'd love to read a good clown book. I, I can't um, think of one. But I can't think of one. That isn't a history. That isn't an, you know, an Yeah, actual... yeah, no. Some, some, there are some amazing accounts of real clowns, but that, that's not, once again, that's not a fictional clown. That's exactly. a historical account. Um, well, it's, it, you, you can't find one and, you like or, or and, dislike. And with, with animated... I don't feel like I've seen any animated clowns that weren't either uh, the butt of a nobody likes clowns joke or a scary horror type perversion of clown. I think those are the only two things that I've seen. I've seen, I've definitely seen animated clowns where it was a party clown and nobody liked them. And I've seen animated clowns that were creepy clowns. Yeah. And I don't like any of that. I just, it, it's, nope. None of that is something that I find compelling. Um, but you haven't named anything. You haven't, you haven't gotten on a hill here on anything. Pick something. Pick something you like, pick something you dislike. Give us something. I don't have anything that I, I, I can't give you one that I like. I don't have a favorite. You don't have a favorite fictional at all. Mm-mm. No, because... You said the big comfy couch. You're not even going to go there and say that's fictional because you think... Because I, I think that's real. Because it's think... like saying the Muppets. Of course, those are real Muppets. Exactly. Yeah, So, um, But on least favorite fictional clowns, I think that's pretty easy. Uh, that That's going to have to be it. It was not even a clown. It's just simply a... It, it takes the form of a clown in order to scare a particular child. But... That's that's an obvious. It's an obvious, but it's a fair one. Obvious one to, to dislike. So I I I, not not a thing I like. 
actively a thing I dislike. Okay. So I will give that as my least favorite fictional accounting of a quote-unquote clown, because I think it's hard to even say that that's what that is. Well, it's a clown. It's a it's a perversion of a clown in order to scare someone by scaring yes. someone with something innocent. Yes, we, so we, that's we've we've covered that before. Sure. But. See our previous work. Aw. <laughs> All right. Okay. You, you so you've dodged out of it. I've dodged out of it, but only because I I oh, it's fictional. Fair. It's fair. Is a very difficult thing to. You've broken achieve. my brain with the concept of what is a fictional clown. You've broken my brain completely. I have no idea because I thought I had answers and now I don't and I don't know. Well. Take a deep breath. <sighs> and I'll ask you the question and just, just go with your immediate response. My immediate response. Who are your most favorite and least favorite fictional clowns and why? Okay, least favorite being easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a trope, but I'm going to go with Krusty the Clown from The Simpsons. He's just gross. And he's just all the things we don't like. And he's the pastiche of, like, bad children's entertainers, which I have a, my own. We've talked about. We have our own buttons with. I, you know, I I think I'm going to go there. It's like my instinct is to just go. That's not even a clown. That's just, ugh, I don't like it. Um, I think it's funny because as a rule, I really like in the European tradition, you don't put on a clown costume and go do clown you heighten what you are and go be a big version of yourself yes. or some character that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And so even the tropes of the American clown immediately, they put me and I'm, I'm in this work. They put me a little bit on guard. Yes. So yeah, there's that as far as I, you've completely broken me with the, with the, what qualifies a fictional because now I'm thinking, you know, you, you anytime you see it, if there's a performer involved, if there's a good voice actor involved, are they doing clown work? If there's a, a sound booth and the sound booth is laughing, if they're working for that. I mean, you know, is is any character an actor plays who's really connected? Oh, it's done. And I can't think of a book that's ever either that's ever presented a clown in a positive light. Yeah. Unless, you know, and here's the problem. I saw this. I liked it. But I'm not sure I'm going to get the cartoon right. And I'm going to probably get this wrong. And I'm probably going to have to put the correction in the show notes. Okay. I think it was Rocco's Modern Life. Mm -hmm. Used clown and being in, ironically, the clown closet as a way to talk about sexuality and orientation. Yes, that was Rocco's Modern Life. Thank you. I mean, and and I will will find something on this to put in the show notes because it was fascinating. And I saw this not too long ago, and I didn't particularly like the portrayal of clowns in it, but I love that they used a thing that people have strong emotional responses about to talk about a thing that people have strong emotional responses about. And I thought that, okay, here's a really clever use of, of, of this sort of idea of using clowns fictionally to tell stories. And I thought it was, some, I thought it was effective storytelling. So I will, I will share... Some resource I will find to source that and we'll verify it. But that, that'd be my positive fictional, the closest I could get. And, okay. that's, and that's in broad brushstrokes because it was just people, literally people dressing up for the enjoyment of being silly, which yes. in many ways is clown, but they were all fictional characters. So it was, it was very meta. Okay, yeah, that, that, it, that's better than I could do. Okay, so that's, I did something. I did something. Okay, I can calm down. I want to get right. 
You see me? I'm on the edge here. Yeah. The pressure's on. It's a on. good question. It's a great Trying qu- to get it right is a, is a big thing. Let me be clear. I don't think it's a bad question. In fact, I think it's a terrific question because it put us on the spot a little bit. Oh, yeah. I think part of the reason we wanted to do this is we we wanted to dig at some ideas. Mm-hmm. And we're not the most research. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly well trained. I'm, I'm fairly well. I do a bit of research. I'm not super researched. I'm not super academic, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like the idea of, of exploring and finding, you know, both my biases and my opinions and getting those in into the conversation. I think that's the that's the reason why I like a question that puts me on the spot. Yeah. Got another one that will put me on the spot? I'd be all... Yeah, please all, send them. Yeah, please. please yeah. I meant you. You've got cards in your hand. Oh. Yes, I do actually have another card. Okay, here Does, we go. Is it going to put me on the spot? Um, It might. Okay, let's see. How do we go about dispensing with the concept of dignity, or at least learn how to set it aside lightly for periods of time, given that life is inherently embarrassing. Do you feel the warm blanket of discomfort that came in here to snuggle with us? Yes. Yes, I do. Wow. Okay. Dignity, discomfort, embarrassing life. I got this. Oh. So, here's the thing. One of the quotes I've heard early in my journey in studying clown that has stayed with me. And as I've researched it, I keep finding a clown older than the clown I heard it from that said it. Mm -hmm. So every time I think I know who this is attributed to, I find out I'm wrong and it goes back further. So it's not one that I'm going to bother. I I just file it under generically. This is clown wisdom. But the, the phrase is the clown is both an orangutan and a poet. Okay. And so the idea is that the clown is both of these things. The orangutan is the very primate, primordial human earth in the mud, gross, and the heads in the clouds reading poetry and talking to angels. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a metaphor and mud. It's, it's that relationship. That is the clown is both of these things simultaneously. And part of what I love about this work is that you were always a little outside of normal and that's both forgiven encouraged and mocked when you're looking at the character okay yeah um and and take that where you will when you start talking about the real world but I'm, I'm going to keep it where I'm where I'm at right now for a moment with that I'm always looking at the fact that part of why we we want to watch the clown fall down we want to watch the clown get back up. We want the clown to be a loser so we can watch them occasionally win. So when we empathize with a loser and feel like they're one of us and they win, it gives us a little bit of hope that we can win. So mm-hmm. I think that sort of hero's journey cycle is Im- important to what the clown does is they're constantly giving us hope because they are a screw up. They yes. have screwed up. They are currently screwing up and they will screw up for generations to come. But in doing so, that means the rest of us who are screw ups, who are currently screwing up and feel like they may screw up in the future, feel a little relieved that someone survived. Mm-hmm. The quote I love is that the, uh, the, what is it? The tragic hero knows they are going to die. They, they walk into the story knowing they will die because they are the tragic hero. And the clown knows they're going to be bad at their job. So they just go and have a good time with it. 
they know they're going to be bad, so they don't have to get angst-ridden about it. They can enjoy the folly of failure, the joy of failure. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think of. And I think in that respect, you don't necessarily dispense with it, not because we, we should either dispense with it or hold it high, because the act of not just having it destroyed, but having it destroyed, and then we watch the clown get up and dust themselves off and keep going, becomes noble. Okay. That's the part that I think is is super important in the clown. And so how do we dispense with dignity? We don't, but not because it's bulletproof, but because it'll survive the impact. <laughs> that's that's how I I think that's how I come to it. I come to it I go it's going to get destroyed because the world is horrible. And at times and this is it's again I'm always thinking try to be nice when we're talking. But life is life is brutal. Mm-hmm. And at times cruel. And finding that hope, that optimism is so hard that I think one of the purposes of creativity is to is to give us a little comfort in that regard. It's to give us a little a little model, a little abstracted model of, oh, well, it can happen on a small scale. So maybe we can scale that up to life. We can be knocked down and continue. We can refine ourselves. Because if the clown just sat there, fell down, the clown fell in their butt in the mud, got the pie in the face, mm-hmm. and they just stayed there, we would be we would be damaged. I think we as an audience would be damaged by that. If you saw Buster Keaton just give up instead of moving to the next disaster, because, you know, Keaton curve says Buster goes into a situation, gets out of it by the skin of his teeth, and ends up in a worse situation. Yes. That's the curve. And yet... The, the character knows this somehow and is willing to keep going because at least they're not in the previous fire. Mm. That, I think, has its own absurd little nobility. I think that has its own little joy. And so to say, how do we dispense with it? I don't know that we do. It's not going to protect you from everything. It may not protect you from anything. But Dignity? Yeah. You know, this whole, I hold myself up high. It doesn't do anything. But for some reason... When the monkey falls down, the the orangutan, and the orangutan poet model, as it were, Uh falls down, it's some poetic idea of, well, maybe tomorrow will be better. And they stand up again. And there's an optimism to that. And there's a beauty to that. And what I keep coming back to, and it's, it's a trope image, is while I'm sitting here talking, I think of the tramp, Chaplin, At the end of so many of the stories, you think of the circus, you think of modern times, at the end of the story, Chaplin's left alone, woebegone, he's let go of what he wanted. So who he wanted, in the case of the circus, could be happier. Mm -hmm. And he stands up and he sighs to himself, and he dusts himself off and he walks off into the sunset. And somewhere, from I've lost everything to walking into the sunset... Like a goldfish, he forgets he's sad. And by the time he arrives somewhere new, he's ready for the next adventure. And I think that's the clown's dignity. That. The ability to go, okay, let's see where we end up next. And so that is how I say approach it. You're not going to somehow either give it up entirely 
I mean, I suppose you could. I suppose we could dispense with whatever that lofty feeling is and just be in the mud. But I don't think it serves us because humans can be terrible. Oh, yeah. They also can be amazing. And that's why we keep trying. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I think I'll leave it there. Okay. So... What about you on this complicated and somewhat heavy topic of dignity? Let me, I'll read it to you again. How do we go about dispensing with the concept of dignity, or at least learn how to set it aside lightly for periods of time, given that life is inherently embarrassing? Um, I don't know. Um, That's fair. Because... I certainly have not found a way to do that. Um, Not even in the work? No, 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 no. In the work, in the work, me clinging to dignity is a huge part of what makes my character funny. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, it's, I've had multiple, multiple instances where the thing that, and this is once again, particularly with higher status characters, mm-hmm. which I don't always play, but when I do, part of what is so entertaining about a higher status character is that most of what you end up playing with, with a higher status character, is everything falling out from underneath them. Mm-hmm. I remember one particular scene in which I was literally being pushed out of a chair. I don't remember how, or I was falling out of a chair. I don't remember how anymore. I've lost the details on it. But the thing that my clown clung to was the idea that this was fine. Everything was still going according to plan. Everything was still going to be fine. And and that they hadn't lost even so much as a shred of their dignity. They'd lost all capacity to actually control the situation. But their inherent sense of their status and, and their dignity was like the last thing they were clinging on to. <laughs> How do you get out of that? How do you get out of that? Um, I don't think they did. I think that they totally ended up falling on the floor. Um, and that was what was enjoyable about it. But then what? That's what I'm saying. They definitely, I mean, the same thing. They picked themselves up. So they did, they they did arrive to a moment where they got up. They did the exact same way as, as you did. Interesting. As, as, as you described. But I don't think, I don't think that that comes with dispensing with the idea of dignity. And I don't think that comes with the idea of of separating that and the fact that life is embarrassing. I mean, life is incredibly embarrassing constantly. You will do something that socially you will be shamed for and therefore, or you feel like you may be shamed for. And that is what embarrassment is. Um, we could, we could talk for an hour about shame. Yes. Um, but I don't think that one dispenses with it. I don't think you can, I don't think you can actually separate it. I think I think you learn how to build yourself up enough 
that it can take the beating. I think that that's very much the same thing that you, that you just said, is that you learn how to believe in your self-worth enough to be able to survive the moments where you mess up and the moments where somebody calls you out and the moments where you have struggles. And I think part of that, and I'm only just now having this moment, I'm having this moment of thought just now. Um, I think something that may help and I think something that's lacking in a lot of how we see people interact is that it is with dignity that one can admit to being wrong. Ooh, very nice. It is with dignity that one can apologize for unintentional harm done. If assuming the intent was pure. And that is, it is more dignified in how I see it. It is more dignified to stand there, own that you said what you said, and it did the harm that it did, and say, I hear you. I understand why that was wrong. And I am going to do better in the future. It is more dignified to stand there and do that than it is to defend the position that you had when what you did was wrong. It's so, you know, the, the statement of what, what, if your intent was pure. If your intent was not to hurt anybody, it is more dignified to hold that true to yourself and realize that that will come across more effectively by owning the damage you did and the things that you said than it will by declaring what your intent was. By declaring that you weren't intending to hurt anybody. Saying, I see how that didn't do what I wanted it to. Is a better way to establish what you wanted than to try to deflect when people tell you that you've done something wrong. You, you know what I hear that's so interesting? You talk about words like deflect and you talk about words where you're, you're, you're defending and deflecting. Mm-hmm. One of the lessons I got from working uh, with DeCastro, mm-hmm. and it was something I had to legitimately work on, uh, especially after doing a lot of more kind of vaudeville performing where you're, you know, it, it's almost combative with an audience, was she said that you need to be bomb-proof not bulletproof. And what she meant, because that seems a little odd, is that you get knocked around. You get affected by something, but you're not destroyed by it. As opposed to... Just knocking it away like it does, like you're impervious to harm. You're so powerful that things just bounce off you without effect. And she was describing when she said bulletproof, like Superman. She said the bullet comes in and bounces off. It doesn't even affect you. We would rather see you get knocked across the room and then survive it and come back. Yes. And I think what you're talking about is a very high-level version of that, where being able to say to someone, okay, I got it wrong, mm-hmm. I need a do-over, I need to fix this, is incredibly dignified. But it also shows that you have been affected by someone else's plight. Yes. So what you're, what you're showing is, uh, is empathy. 
mm-hmm. and compassion. And I think it's incredibly it's incredibly interesting to see that play out. And without having that without having that note, seeing in your language that same idea of being affected by something versus it just bouncing off you without effect. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think you've 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 landed it. And I think I think you've you've pointed out the exact thing that I was going for is that many people think that being dignified is being bulletproof. Oh, it's like being cool. You're cool implies you're cooled off. You're not passionate. You're distant. And I think that the reality is being dignified is being aware and accepting of embarrassment that is momentary. I'm giving you the knucks because you're giving you the knuckle pump because you did so good. That is so good. And I, I would say you're really cool, but I can't because I just pointed out that, <laughs> that, this, that would be unaffected. And this, you're, I'm, I'm very, I, I'm impassioned by what you said. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I think one of the things I have enjoyed most about all of this since the beginning is that people have sent me questions that my answer doesn't agree with the question, which implies I don't agree with the person. But that's not the point at all. I'm so grateful when I get a question I'm like, oh, let's, yeah, we get to talk about that. Yeah, let's that. dig I into know. this. Let's dig into that because, yeah, I mean, technically we absolutely disagreed with this question. But it's so good. Thank you for sending this so we could talk about it. Yes. That's, that's ACES. And I hope something we said, because this seems like a question that comes with some thought, this seems like very thoughtful. I hope something we offered is of use. Very much so. Okay. You ready? Yes. You ready? Everybody ready? Take a breath. <gasps> Some light affair for you. Are you ready? Let's go for it. What is the best makeup remover for theater stuff? Ooh. And, and I'd like to point out, it says, again... What is the best makeup remover for theater stuff? Interpret as thou wilt. Um, that's a very, very good question. Um, this, much like any other question about makeup, it's so dependent on your skin, what things you are sensitive to or not sensitive to, what makeup you're using. Uh, etc but I can tell you that when I was first learning how to use uh, theater makeup and that was what it was what it was presented to me as I wasn't told what it was I'm pretty sure that at the time it was grease paint but I don't actually know that because I was in theater class as a kid I was in a theater workshop on during the summer so it was just simply quote unquote Theater makeup. Theater makeup. Um, cold cream was the go-to. Um, I haven't had as much success with that later on. It's very messy stuff. It makes your skin break out if your if you're, if your skin's already oily. But for some people... It's the stuff. It's, it's aces. Um, for me, I use... Uh, I use not particularly branded makeup removal wipes, um, which I believe are an astringent uh, mix 
with a wipe and just just wipe that across my face takes off my set uh, grease paint I do tend to have to follow that up with a more gentle specifically formulated for eye makeup removal remover on a cotton ball that I rub over my eyes to get my uh, I use grease paint for my eyeliner as well before my eyeliner and for uh, any mascara because mascara is one of the few things that are uh, quote unquote normal people makeup that I still use to highlight both my eyelashes and my eyebrows oh yeah um, and so a formulation that's actually specifically for eye makeup is a thing that I use because otherwise it stings my eyes and I'm stuck with watery, upset eyes for the next couple of hours. And that is never pleasant. Not fun. Um, so those are, those are what I use. Um, it's so dependent on so many other factors that I can't give... I can't give really overgeneralized answers because it's just... Well, the type of makeup... You have to keep testing things depending on what makeup you're using. The makeup you're using, your skin, uh, the the tools, the type of application. I know, uh, like, some some, uh, airbrush makeup comes off very easily. And some does not. So, in your opinion... Mm -hmm. What is the best makeup remover for theater stuff? Oh, I get to spin this around a little. Because once again, I'm, I'm the clown that wears a nose and baggy pants. I don't wear a lot of makeup. I have for a couple of shows. I wore grease paint for almost five. Yes. Uh, and there was, there was a couple other shows where I wore grease paint. And it was, it was to match the look of the show, but mm-hmm. not because I do that. And in fact, every teacher I've had was like, not on you. Um, but... Whenever I did, it was grease paint, and I used I used makeup whites, and then soap and water. Wash your face. Take care of your skin. You yes. Know, wash your face. Uh, so that was always the thing. But what I can speak to is clothing, because I have been an acrobase to many a made-up performer. Oh, goodness. And I have spent years with face prints on my back on every costume I have ever Owned. And it started, it didn't start with you. It started when we had living dolls. And one of the living doll characters had to do a physical performance where they they were carried. I carried them in. I put them on stage. And they, they sort of, their performance was them coming to life. Yes. So I, all I did was deliver them to the stage. Mm-hmm. And like a prop. Like, you know, a mic stand in one hand and a, and a doll in the, over my shoulder. And when I got off stage, there was a big silver face print on my back. And the answer to that question is you find the best dry cleaner in town. <laughs> you put a little mark on it and you say, please fix this. Because nothing will take that stuff out of cloth. It's it, The dry cleaners work weird chemical magic and I feel bad about it. And uh, I'm glad we do less of that and that we've gotten better at not letting people put face prints. Like you've learned how to put your arm down and not let that happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every, I think every costume in this closet has it, if it's an upper body, has at one point had some makeup on it. And the leg on a couple pair of pants have had makeup on them. Oh, I believe that. And uh, honestly, grease paint does remain the easiest to remove from things. And sometimes that'll come out with soap and water. Mm-hmm. I have had to remove uh, grease paint from the inside lining of my hats. 
Oh on yeah, occasions. there's probably a couple hats up there that still have marks up from mm-hmm. from some made up characters I did. So yeah, um, but I've been lucky because I didn't wear a lot of makeup. But yeah, theater stuff, everything. The I will say this: I cannot think of a time when I've ever gotten makeup on a shoe, because I'm very good at when I aim a kick. <laughs> but I feel like it's I feel like it's coming now that I've said it. Now that you've put it out there, yeah, now probably. That now that I've put it out there, um, it's funny because. While there are standards, this is one of those places where, like, the companies have their formulations, but there isn't necessarily a standard or any oversight on this stuff. And so you're combining one part carefully chosen, I had this thing made, and one part I got that from a thrift store, and one part I don't know what that's made out of in their makeup, and everybody's face is different. And so, yeah, you end up trying things. Um, I did have luck with... uh, the little stain remover sponges. I did have that on costumes once. Okay, you got to be careful. Yeah. Test it because it can pull the it can pull the color out of them too. Yeah. So yeah, this just became costume care, and I need. I'm off topic, and I apologize. You know what? People asked about makeup remover for theater stuff. stuff. It counts. Yeah. Um. And don't let your clowns get too close to the curtain, based on that, unless they've sealed their makeup. Oh my god. I have actually seen on the back of. Uh, on the back of a uh, pipe and drape, I've seen face prints, and I'm, I get I get real angry about it because I'm like, just seal your makeup. So there you are. There you are. That is that is the, the answer. I have my limited knowledge of makeup at this point. Okay. In that case. In in that case. We have reached the final question. Wow. For the final episode. Oh. Of season two. Oh wow. So here is. Last one. Are you ready? No. No, I'm not. Well, what can we do to help you be ready? I don't know. I just, it, it feels like we, I feel like we flew through it. It did. It did just, just, just gently move quite quickly. Perhaps, perhaps some uh, personal remarks before we continue. Do you have any personal remarks? Your hair looks fabulous today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're, you're fishing for compliments. I like your glasses. Thank you. Yeah. Um... Dinner was lovely. Yes, it was. It was lovely. It was lovely. I greatly enjoyed spending time here in this closet with you and with all of you. Well, hey, to slow your roll, we're not done yet. I know. I'm just making a Now I'm ready. You see what happened? Yes. You see, I got ready. There we are. That was nice. Okay. Okay. Well, if you are ready. I am. I dare say I wasn't born ready, but I got here as soon as I could. What... Would you wish for clowning in general and circus freaks in particular? Oh, you stacked the deck nice. That's a good way. That's a good one. I thought so. Yeah, it was good. Well done. All right. Well, I think we've talked about, like, the future of clown quite a bit. You know, it's... It, We've we've talked we've talked a lot about that. Yeah, we did. We got uh, we got another very similar question about yeah, clowning. But in this general. is more about us. Uh-huh. Um. But so I'll, I'll say I'll say on the on the subject of clown I'll just sort of hand wave and say say the previous, uh, the short version is more diversity please. Yes. More diversity and and don't be afraid to shake off the the, the silly idea that clowns are just silly and and look at the history of clown and realize it's fascinating and and get more in the world and and do something that helps. So yeah, there's that. As for us personally, oh, I got I got. The two hats fell into my hand. The performer hat, the teacher hat. It always does. Yes. Because um, I left the business hat downstairs. 
I'm smart that way. For the performer hat, obviously my ego would love when the time is right to get back in the world and be performing. Yes. It is not, it is not that time for us right now. I think, um, I think when we do that, in addition to getting back to what we love, one of the things that we've been exploring deeply is theatrical mask and trance mask. Yes. And I would like to see about whether it is individual characters or particular acts or entire shows. I would like to get to where we are using those. And we've got a lot of work to do because there's workshopping and things that happen well before then. But I, I want to see what, how that integrates with the clown work we're already doing. I don't, I, obviously, I'm not abandoning what I love, yes. but I'm expanding it. And I want to see how do those things, how do those things come together? So from the performing side, it's that we have also trained a tremendous amount of physical skills in the last couple of years. And I look forward to uh, the bar in what we do going up so significantly. Yes. From that point of view, we because we've, we've always done a bit of it, but now it's it's at a level where I won't say we're good at it, but we're kind of good at it. Kind of. Starting to. Yeah. So so the, from the performing things, I those are the things I hope for us, for us clowns to get in the world, to do more, to do some more of the things we've been working towards. But then there's this, this teacher hat. And obviously, I miss, I miss teaching more than I thought I would because we had some online teaching we were doing, which is absolutely not the same. The podcast honestly fed, fed that. This, this has actually fed that because getting to talk about the work was one of the joys. The other thing was getting to play the games and doing the development. And can I go far, future? Can I go like dream? Sure, this yeah, is, just this as didn't... what do you wish for clowns in general yeah, and circus I... freaks in particular. Okay, because I'm not going to worry about fame and fortune. and I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about getting to continue to do it. But from the teacher hat, I have always, you know, I've always been a guest star in that some place, wonderful places, have said, please, come here, teach. Come here, work with our performers or we would like to have you teach a class or, and it's like you come in and you teach and it's really nice. And sometimes those are great organizations and they're doing a lot of good and you know, you're helping and that is wonderful. But you also know you've got a limited amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, the only exception to that was like the residency program. It felt quite a bit like ours because it was the same students on an ongoing basis. And so we knew we would have them to continue working. Yes. But we only had them a couple times a week. Yes. We didn't have a short intensive so one side of this is I would really love an opportunity to finally do a deep dive intensive where maybe we spend a week or two weeks just dialed in on the work from the ground up because I've, I've done all the pieces. Yes. I've had lots of practice, but I've never gotten to go from, I have gone from zero to we have a new baby clown, but that was over a long period. I've never tried to succeed in that in a shorter amount of time of giving someone the tools mm -hmm. and helping them find it in a, in a, in a short period of time. So that excites me. And alongside that big wishes, what that looks like when you're not doing it as a guest star is you're doing it in your own house. I think I just said that I, I'm finally at a place in my life while I always thought that that would mean the end of performing. It doesn't. I, I know that now. I think I'm ready to, to you know, is it time to found, found a school? I read something uh, that stuck with me, which was that several of the clown schools that I really respect, the teacher sort of realized they were done taking classes 
and learning what they needed to learn, and they wanted to go figure it out in their own lab, much as I'd done in guest star spaces and in my own residency stuff. But essentially, they went, oh, it's time to go found a school, even though they themselves admitted they didn't know what they were doing yet. But the only way they were going to figure it out was to show up and start working. And so from that point of view, I, I, I think I would wish, if I could wish, is to have a space and a place and an opportunity and people to, to have a school, to make a clown school. But not, not a clown school like, ha ha, yucky, like get into the philosophical meat, get into these kinds of questions and these kind of discussions and build something that, that helps people. I mean, the big wish is it's never been just for performance. I love performing. I love helping performers get good so they can go out and do, but also helping people find their voice, helping people who may never have, and this has been a lot of people in my, my teaching experience, a lot of people don't necessarily have any intention of performing, whether or not they end up performing is separate, mm-hmm. but they find that the tools help them achieve their voice and their goals. So having spaces where you can do that, I think that would be awesome. I think that'd be amazing. I think I'm there. I think I've, I've sat here like I've been sitting in a, in a, in a monastery long enough to come to that realization that the dream would be, yeah, let's, let's have a school. And then still be out there. I mean, you still got to go out there and perform. You're not done. That's the thing. Because the fear that stopped me from heading in that direction earlier in my life was this very, very silly idea that we had to stop (laughs) performing. You had to stop and retire. And now that you're old and gray, you teach the next generation. No, while you're getting old and gray, you teach the next generation. That's the only way it works. I'm sorry. It took me a while to figure that out. So... Those, I think, are the, uh, the wishes. I want to see if we can figure out. And with every school is you have, you know, whether it's Lecoq or you have Pachinko or you have uh, Gallier. Every school has its own pedagogy. They're teaching the same ideas, but they create their own frameworks, their own mm-hmm. way of teaching it. Yes. Their method, if you will. Uh, I think maybe we can find that method given a little bit of time. All right. So, yeah, that's that's the big dream now, maybe. Big wish. That just poured out of me. That was a lot. Yeah. Oh. Hoping in steamroller, you do, do you have wishes for your clown, for your clown future that you wish to share with us? Are you going to ask? Oh, formally, I should. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, it's you've, become... You've, so, you've, you've, you've gotten so far into the weeds, you've forgotten the <laughs> format of this, of I this podcast. I did, I did, and I apologize because... It's such a, I I will be honest on this before I pass it off. It is not a thing you see me do very often. I think about what we're working on. I think about what we've done. Oh, what have we done? It's a thing (laughs) I I say not infrequently, but I don't necessarily sit there dreaming about, we go to the next thing that's logical. Not like we're lost and we're just reacting, but we go, well, this seems like the next step, but we don't often sit down and vision board out the future like that. It's true. So it's it's a weird thing when it happens. Ugh. Sorry. Okay. Out of the weeds, into the closet. With the cards, reading to you, what would you wish for clowning in general and circus freaks in particular? Okay. okay. Um, as, as you mentioned, we've talked about clowning in general um, before. I salute you. And. Clowning general. No, clowning in general. Oh, my mistake. I retract my salute. 
Um, Give you a hearty nod. Thank you. Mm. And once again, more representation across the board, more people playing together, more people being given opportunities to share their views and what they believe in through this medium because I think it's so powerful. But for Circus Freaks in particular. That's us. Which is us. And for for, for, for me, as part of Circus Freaks and Circus Freaks in particular, um, I think your concept of, of both hats coming to the table there, both the the teaching and the performing hats, um, goodness, I can't wait to perform again. I, and I will wait until it's reasonable and it's safe for us to do so, but I am looking forward to it so very, very much. And I'm really looking forward to workshopping again because it's very difficult to workshop without, um, without an audience or without a workshopping audience. And we haven't been able to put that together because we're hiding in our house. Um, so looking very much forward to when that is possible again and doing as much of that as possible once it is. Oh, yeah. Um, because I have a lot of new discoveries to be made. So you, you get to you get to take it all apart, go back to the beginning, and put, and it, put together. it back together again. I, I am so excited, um, and I'm starting to work on what I can of that already. But you have been that is definitely in the wish list. Um, on the teaching front, and I hope that this is in line with the idea of that school because that sounds amazing, and I am one hundred percent here for it. Oh, good. Um, I was going to ask you if you wanted to show up. I would love to. Take a class. Um, I just got to look. You, you did I because because I have been assistant teaching for this idiot for a significant amount of time. I accept your accusation that I am an idiot in the spirit in which it's intended. Professional. Yes. Um, but one of the things I am looking forward to is potentially being able to do more teaching on physical skills because I have been training a lot of physical skills and learning a lot of physical skills and I've been doing that for many many years now um, and there's definitely a point early in that where you don't know enough to keep anybody safe teaching those skills yeah because um, you're busy being a toddler making your own mistakes yes and I think I am beginning to get to the place where I'm going to be able to teach those things more effectively and reasonably so I and safely. And I would like to be able to do that. So in wishes, without particular timelines attached, oh yeah, that's, this that's 100% a wish. I want to be able to help people get into their bodies and find out all of the very cool things the body can do. Um... I found you to be such, because we've talked about how you've coached me in physical skills, mm-hmm. and you've been such an amazing teacher in that you are both capable of doing things and demonstrating things, but also in that you have a sensitivity to pay attention to where me, your student, is. And I think so many people would benefit 
from the experience of having someone who's actually listening to them while they learn to listen to their body. Yes. And giving that feedback. And that is, that is a thing that I was incredibly grateful for, for you to give to me. And I would, I would like to create a space for you to give that to others. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> You're hired. Fantastic. Big handshake. All right. Um, so yeah, that is very much on, on my wish list is that Circus Freaks gets to teach more physical skills alongside the clown skills um, moving forward. And if if you're thinking you're ready to start looking towards heading in the direction of building building a school and finding out how that works for us, I am on board. Wow. We're heading. We're heading the same direction. That's that's exciting because that's not that's not a thing we've we've done a lot of talking about. So, ah, so big dreams. Wow. Thank you for asking Thanks for, for dreams and wishes because uh, that gives us the opportunity to discuss them. Okay, rapid fire because it'd be fun. Three tiny little circus freaksy clowny wishes. Three little ones. Three three little because tiny these, ones. Because this was so big. Yeah, they were big. Okay. Three little ones. Three little wishes. Yes. For the circus freaks. Yes. Um. Let's see. Don't think too hard. Just pop them out. I'm I'm working on it. Okay. I would like for us to have a delicious snack. That's you. I agree that we need a post podcast snack. Snack, sure. And you've been sitting listening, so you probably need one too. I am wishing for a whole bunch of new questions for season three. Yep, we need them if we're going to keep going. Yeah. And I am wishing for. Both of us to bathe after having gotten significantly sweaty sitting in this po- in this closet doing well, you, a podcast. You make a valid point now that I've explored. One, I'm going to do mine. Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't just sniffed myself because that was a mistake. <laughs> Two, I wish that... I will someday achieve the balance of learning to say something deep and then shutting my mouth instead of this moment where I say something deep and then I sniff my armpit. Okay. But I'm figuring the minute I do that, I am probably no longer in this job because this job is pretty much being profound while sniffing your armpit. And three. And three. I need a third one. I will say that... I hope we find, while digging through the workshops of the future and the shows on the way and all of this stuff, we find the next big story that we want to tell and we find the friends to tell it with. Because I think that would be a lot of fun. Lovely. Thank you. Well, that's all of my questions. I don't have any more. There's, wow. That's we, we get back to the top of the stack. Back to the top of the stack. We've done it. It feels different because... You know, the first time we did this, mm-hmm. we, we, we begged for questions. We had just enough to finish. And that sort of defined our, we said, oh, that feels like the right episode length. Mm-hmm. And then this time we tried to match that plus one and we have, we have more. We do. And as promised, do, yes. while they are not enough for a full season, we have. We have enough for at least a couple of episodes. A couple of, we, we have enough to get started. So if, think about it and send it to us at any time. Um, 
questions you'd like for the future, obviously we will be back um, next year. Probably next year. That's that's about the timetable. It seems to be about when we start. Timetable, and we'll keep you updated. Follow us online if if something big and exciting happens. We'll certainly talk about it. Of course we will. Yeah, and in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this season because I feel like we dug deeper. I think we did. We got very personal. And that was, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think think that was good. I think it it was nice. Yeah, I think it was very good. And um, I really appreciate that we got some real, real hard-hitting questions. We also got, and I and I mean this, uh, we got we got some great feedback. People telling us just just offsides, hey, this meant something, or I really enjoyed this, or people who we know who show up and tell us the thing they heard that stuck with them. Oh, it means we, so much. We ramble on for a while. I know we're silly, but if you remember a thing and it either made you laugh, or made you think, or gave you a lot, I love that because. I feel like then this doesn't just feel like I'm talking into my coat or series of coats. I feel like I'm I'm talking to you. I feel like I'm talking to to you who are listening and it and it means a lot to know that at some point you're going to pop us in your ears and either sit there and do your thing or go for a walk or or stand there and do nothing. I I don't know what you're going to do with it. But that I'm not alone right now. Because you're here, and then when you're listening to this, you're not alone because we'll be there with you. Right here on... Two Clowns in a Closet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know what I got behind this door? A theme song? Look at you, you already know the format. What about people who just tuned in who don't know the format? They're having feelings. There's gonna be a theme song. There's the theme song. It's good. It makes me giggle every time I hear it. And every version of I've heard that someone sent me made me smile for an entire day. 30 seconds of music that'll make you smile for an entire day. Can't ask for more than that. I hope you find lots of things that make you smile all day. Ready? Ready. Set. Go. It was too fast. Oh. I felt stressed out. I didn't mean to stress you out. That yeah, wasn't like... I know, I know, I know. You're excited. We did a good job and you feel good about it. I'm doing the thing I always do. I linger. Yes. I do tend to linger. You do linger. I apologize. You like it. Of course I like it. I if I didn't you're... like it, I wouldn't be sitting here with you in between me and the door. You would have switched seats and just walked out. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you linger by yourself. Being one clown all by myself. Yeah, that wouldn't be nearly as fun as being... Two clowns in a closet. So much better. No, 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 no. It just, we, it. It was right there. It was right that there. That was the moment. That was it. We that missed. That was it. You I missed. missed. I missed. It's on me. It's on me. I apologize. We'll find it again. Don't I panic. Think, we I always. he's getting scared. No. We're coming back. You promise? I promise. I'm not scared, but do you promise? I do promise. Okay. I promise, We're coming back. I promise too. I hereby solemnly swear that I will see you in season three of Two Clowns in a Closet. That was perfect.